Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, are now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today, save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. You know how much I love my pillow, how much it's changed my life for the better. Well, I figured it was about time that I let you know about my pillow sheets. Now, Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. That's why he has created the new Giza Dream Bed Sheets. Now, these sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza, that's only grown in a very small region where the Sahara Desert, Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River all meet to create the ideal weather conditions for growing cotton. These Giza sheets are available in a variety of colors. They come with Mike's 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. The first night you sleep on these sheets, it's heaven. You'll never want to sleep on anything else. Now, right now, you, my listeners, you're going to save 30% and get free shipping when you use the promo code SEAN26, S-E-A-N 26, when you go to MyPillow.com. Again, that's promo code SEAN26, S-E-A-N 26, at MyPillow.com. All right, wow, is all I can say. This literally has gotten into my hands in the last 30 seconds, what I'm going to share with you, and I'm absorbing it with you as uh, as the show unfolds. Happy Friday. Glad you're with us. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, this is game-changing, what I'm getting my hands on, and uh, we'll get to it. Just a quick programming note. Uh, by the way, many thanks to Rush Limbaugh for yesterday. I... You know, he is uh, amazing. I'm so lucky to be friends with him and the great one, Mark Levin, you know, the constitutional genius he is. And, you know, I I will tell you, there's so few of us that actually have understood how deeply 
profound this all is that's going on in the country. And all of us committed to making sure this never happens again. As Rush pointed out, though, it is still ongoing. Anyway, Judge Pirro back tonight on Hannity, 9 Eastern. I wanted to announce that. The great one, Mark Levin, tonight on Hannity. And when you hear what we're about to hit, you're going to want to tune in. So there are, there's, I don't do Twitter anymore myself. I can't even get into my Twitter account. Linda, can I get into my Twitter account? Oh, God, no. Can I get into my, uh, I have a Facebook account, correct? You do. Can I get into that? You cannot. Can I get into the Instagram account? You cannot. Okay, and we have had what was what was the words that were used by Twitter when they we were, you were compromised? Okay, whatever. More than importantly than that, honestly, it became it was it was fun for a while, fighting everybody and and winning, you know, and just poking. It's amazing how people in the media, in particular, they're so thin skinned and they they take themselves so seriously. They just they can't take a punch. You know, and I'm doing all of that fighting on Twitter with a big fat smile on my face, knowing that they're bubbling and fizzing on the other end like Alka-Seltzer in water. And but, you know, I did the whole thing. The last big fight who was the last big fight with Kimmel. Oh, I may uh, start Kimmel one up. Kimmel was one and a couple others from some networks. You know, I kind of ignored Alec Baldwin this week. He was on with Howard Stern. But what's happened to Howard Stern? Howard Stern. Well, in fairness to Howard, Howard does what Howard always does, which is he plays middleman. No, I, listen, he's, I love Howard. I have no issues with Howard. And, I you thought know, Robin was a little ridiculous, but... I didn't hear the whole thing, but I, just, but I heard a part of it, you know, with Alec Baldwin on there. And there's such a great behind-the-scenes story of me, Mark Levin, and Alec Baldwin. Alec was trying out to be a radio talk show host. Remind me to play this this, av- this hour. And anyway, he was trying out... Uh, on the big stick of WABC in New York, my radio ex-wife, if you will, on another station. I'm now on the all-new 710 WOR in New York with Rush. And, and anyway, long story. So me and Mark call in at the same time while he's hosting. And they put us on the air. And Brian Whitman is sort of guiding him through all of this, a friend of ours, and, and who's now out in L.A. still doing radio. And Alec walked out of hosting his own show. Levin got to him so bad, he just stood up and walked out. I mean, it's the greatest story ever. And then, so he still wants to be a radio talk shows. And he tries out in Philly, a WPHT, our affiliate in, in, in Pennsylvania, in Philly. And we've got that tape. We'll get to it. But let me get to this story. But Levin and, and Judge Pirro on tonight. And thank God there are the, you know, maybe 50 in the country against the 99.9999% that literally not part of this destroy, hate, rage, Trump media mob. And, and you know, thank God that we've been able to stop what is the biggest abuse of power, corruption, scandal, attempted coup even in our country. This is real and it's serious. And Rush made a good point of saying it's still ongoing. We're not done yet. And we better win for the sake of our kids and our grandkids. And this has to be defeated. You know, I remember people got mad at my second book, Deliver Us From Evil, defeating terrorism, despotism, and liberalism. Because liberal weak policies, you know, destroy us economically every time it's tried. You know, the new Green Deal, it's not going to work ever. 
And similarly, you know, dropping $150 billion in cash and other currency and bribing mullahs in Iran is never going to work. Or Clinton bribing Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un's father, with the promise. America is to say the world's a safer place today because I just bribed him. Just you promise to be good now. You Forget it. All right, to our breaking story. So on Twitter is, I think he's involved mostly in media stuff. My memory serves me right. I'm not good at this remembering of these people on Twitter. But anyway, um, Yashar Ali is the individual. And anyway, so it says, I got a call from another Twitter person who serves as the managing editor of NBC, MSNBC Politics. And the conduct during the call was highly inappropriate and unethical. So what was the purpose of her call? She called me to bully me on behalf of the DNC. Now, why would the managing editor of NBC, MSNBC politics, be bullying anybody on behalf of the DNC? And this this managing editor of politics who oversees all their political coverage was calling to bully me into delaying the publication of an innocuous scoop. And at no point did she advocate for her network. It was only about the DNC. Then he he tells this story. This is interesting to me. Yesterday morning, I received a tip. Trusted source. Source told me the DNC would be announcing dates of the first 2020 primary debates later that day. Source gave me the dates they would be announcing, June 26th and 7th. At first, I thought it was just a fun tidbit that I could tweet out. But after I called several presidential campaign staffers, I learned the Democratic campaigns were were desperate to learn what the dates were going to be. I decided to post the scoop as an item in my newsletter. This wasn't a huge scoop, but it was a decent one. So I quickly called the DNC to first to fact check the tip. By the way, that's original. Actually looking for sourcing and fact checking. Uh, Good for him. And I was running out of time. The dates would be announced on MSNBC in the 4 p.m. hour. It's important to note that almost all of my communication with the DNC was off the record. So I won't share. By the way, wow, somebody in the media (laughs) keeping their word. This is shocking, too. I won't share most of what they said, but I can tell you it's, you know, pretty run-of-the-mill stuff. I asked the DNC if my tip was accurate, and they asked if they could call back in 10 minutes. A few minutes later, they called back, asked if... I could delay posting my scoop another hour or so and that they could go through important notification calls to the state parties. I told them I couldn't wait as the news would leak and leave me without a story. And that's all I can say about the call. Two minutes later, I get a call from the political director at NBC News, the managing editor of NBC Politics. And now this is where it gets so odd to me. And anyway... And I got the call two minutes later from, the again, the manager of NBC Politics. And I've never spoken to this person by phone. A couple of years ago, she reached out to me to see if I wanted to have coffee and talk about working at NBC News. But I declined as I was actively investigating NBC Matters and thought it would be strange if I discussed the job. So when I saw this person was calling, I assumed it would be to ask me to consider delaying my posts so that MSNBC could announce it first, given that this was an innocuous scoop, not some investigative story. I I wouldn't have lost sleep if I had delayed, but that's not why she was calling. This is where it gets interesting. After exchanging pleasantries, 
She told me that she received a call from the DNC and was told I had a story. Now, it's not strange the DNC called her. They were coordinating an announcement. What was strange was that she was calling me and taking a menacing tone. She asked if I could hold the story. I said I couldn't. She was agitated. Why not? I said I'm not going to lose a scoop. She then got angrier. Why not? It's not a big deal. Let them make a few phone calls. And he says, my jaw dropped as I realized that this managing editor of politics at NBC News, the head of all their political coverage for NBC News and their cable outlet, tinfoil hat conspiracy TV, MSNBC, wasn't calling to advocate for her network. She was calling to advocate for the DNC's position. She wanted me to wait so they could call state party leaders. And I thought to myself, this is how people think it works. It's not. But that's what was going on. That's what she was doing. She kept pressing me. Now, I acknowledge for stuff that, you know, isn't about serious investigative reporting. There's no problem holding something. But I knew once others got the call, I'd lose the scoop. And she reminded me that she was a national security reporter at the Washington Post for 10 years. And they would hold stuff all the time. Note, so people wouldn't get killed. Why can't you just wait? Let me make their calls. Then you'll be the first to put it in print, she said. Quote, I couldn't believe what she was saying. Again, it was a it was fine for me to print the story an hour later, beat her own network by three hours. She just didn't want me to let the DNC inform state party leaders. Why the hell did she care? He writes. And I kept telling her, no, I wasn't waiting. She kept getting more frustrated. She was exasperated. She didn't understand why I couldn't wait for the DNC to make their state notification calls. I was so surprised uh, that she was talking this way with a total stranger. The head of the political division of NBC News trying to bully me at the behest of the DNC over a dumb scoop, even though they may not have asked her to do this. But two-thirds of the way through the conversation, this woman started a sentence with, this is off the record. She hadn't said it at the beginning of the conversation, and most important, at no point did I agree when she said off the record to keep it off the record. I'm not one of those gotcha reporters. I think, by the way, there are people that don't, you say, off the record, and they just burn you every time. (laughs) I've learned that a lot over the years. So the ones that actually honor their word, it's rare. Um, And he says, I think it's bad for sourcing relationships to make people feel like they constantly feel like they have to say off the record, but she isn't a source and she's calling me to intimidate me and she doesn't get that benefit. She said off the record one more time later in the call. And again, I just let her keep talking. I didn't agree to anything. I then told her I had to go to my editor and she got even more frustrated and said, no, I want to talk to you more about this. I said, no, I want to go to my editor. And she sent me over the edge and said, what's your editor's name? I want to talk to them. Trying to intimidate me on behalf of the DNC. I ended the call. After the call with her, I published the stupid scoop. Then I get a, did a gut check over the next two hours. I called 10 experienced, prominent reporters and told them the story. They were all stunned by what this managing editor of NBC Politics had uh, said. This is, this is really interesting to me. And uh, anyway, and... They were all stunned at what she did. They encouraged me to share it publicly. I'm not naive to the fact this incident is is going to be twisted by some with an agenda to discredit the media and say they collude with political parties. But I think it's more important to expose bad behavior and keep it than keep it under wraps. What she did was unethical. 
Plenty of times reporters will introduce people in politics to other reporters, TV people. I have done it many times. That is advocating for more coverage, not less. And she was advocating, advocating for me not to do something on behalf of a political party. What I can't figure out is, and no one else I spoke to could understand, why open yourself up to this for a stupid story? How is it worth it? Now, this, the whole thing is fascinating to me. You know, number one, you know, and I don't, my memory serves me right. I don't think this person's a fan of mine, which is fine. But, you know, it is a great question. Why is the head of the, the, the managing editor of politics at NBC doing the bidding of the DNC. I mean, a nothing scoop, maybe, but that level of angst and treatment, you know, look, I'm kind of inoculated. I've been called so many horrible things over the years that I just am pretty much unfazed by it all and don't pay any attention to it because I can't. You can't live your life that way. But most people are. It really bugs the crap out of them. And I've learned that, too. I'm going to get into more details when we get back. 800-941-SEAN. One thing that is not political, it's smoking. That's about people. And there are 34 million Americans now that smoke. But for many, there's not been a clear alternative. Juul, for me, has been a game changer. I watch people all the time. They go outside in the middle of the freezing winter just to have their smoke. You don't have to do that anymore because of Juul. Now, people don't have to worry about the smell on your hands. Juul was specifically designed by smokers for smokers to be a satisfying alternative. It's a clean technology. Juul has no ash, no odor, no mess. If you're one of those 34 million adults who do smoke, you now know there's an alternative to cigarettes and cigars. Just go to Juul, J-U-U-L dot com slash Switch America. That's J-U-U-L dot com slash Switch America. Now, this product does contain nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. But just go to Juul, J-U-U-L dot com slash switch America. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity show on a Friday. I, uh, look, I have said this week that especially the collusion, collusion, the Russia, 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 stormy, 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 that manufactured crisis, they even use the same talking points, that the Democrats, this new extreme radical Democratic Socialist Party and so many in the media are one. I have told you so often why I've never been to a Washington Correspondents Dinner. They don't like me. And I'm not particularly fond of most of them. But it's, you know, it, it, it's their staffs of congressmen and women, you know, friendly with all the people in the media. They, they drink together. They party together. They date each other. They do, which is fine. But it's one big swamp that has led us to where we are. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Now, nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter of a tank of gas if you're lucky. You know what it will get you, though? For just $20 a month, you'll get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk, a veteran-owned company. Now, you get the same quality service that you get from the big carriers, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, uh, but you get it at half the cost. The average family saves close to $1,000 a year, and guess what? There's no activation fees and no contract to sign, and they use the same cell towers and the same 5G network. Make the switch today, and if you do it today, you save an additional 50% off your first month. Anyway, this is a company that shares your values. They support our military and our veterans. And by the way, they don't advertise on fake news networks, thankfully. Go to the website, puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Make the switch. It's simple. It's fast. It's easy. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean. That's Sean, S-E-A-N. Make the switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. All right, it is sick and getting sicker. All right, glad you're with us. You know what the word is? It, there is this, it's like an incestuous relationship. It is an unholy alliance. I said this so often about, you know, how is it we pay more per capita for education for every student than any other country in the industrialized world and come in like, oh, 37th? How do we not fire bad teachers? You got teachers all over New York City in the New York City public school systems paid for years and years and years and years. They never teach. Some accusation hangs out there 
and they become protected by the unions and unfireable. It's ridiculous. And I'm not, what is a good teacher worth? You can't put a price on somebody that dedicates their lives to helping children and inspiring them to greatness in their lives. It's pretty unbelievable, actually. Um, By the way, Doug Collins, who's been responsible for releasing all this new information and these closed door um, sessions, if you will, or uh, the transcripts of the interviews with people like Strzok and Page and Bruce and yesterday Nellie Orr um, is going to join us at the top of the next hour. John Solomon has a big breaking story. If you actually care about real collusion, this one actually has real evidence. Um, just so you know, um, there is a letter that has just been released from, let's see, from uh, Attorney General Barr to Senator Graham and Senator Nadler that the Mueller report is to be released in mid-April, if not sooner, the full Mueller report, I guess. The report, well, the report will be redacted. We are well along in the process, and material that will be redacted, that's not quotes, and subject to uh, what's crim procedure that by law cannot be made public, uh, material Intel community says would compromise sources and methods, in other words, material that would affect ongoing matters, Uh, and privacy of third parties, which is the right thing to do. And although the president would have the right to assert privilege over certain parts of the report, he has stated publicly that he intends to defer to me, and accordingly, there are no plans to submit the report to the White House for a privilege review, which I think is a mistake. I really do. You know, I know the president wants to do that. I would would challenge him on that and say, no, you know, because what does the media want? They only want one sentence, you know, Russia was great on this last night. This is not stopped. They're not stopping. This is ongoing. They still want to impeach him. They still want to destroy him. The media mob desperately wants to get back the mojo that they had. I mean, the precipitous drop in ratings on fake news CNN and, you know, tinfoil hat conspiracy TV MSNBC is so astronomically dramatic you know, um, actually, it was Bill O'Reilly. He's he's like a savant on ratings, really smart. Um, and, you know, he predicted it, first of all, which I give him credit for. He, and he's usually right on this stuff. And number two, it's it, 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 what they have done in terms of creating expectations in their audience. You know, you're always under promise and over deliver. You don't over promise. Any second now, any second now. And it's gone on for years. We got him. We got him. This is it. I'm telling you, impeach, 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 impeach. It just, it, it's, it, it's breathtaking that it was all done with no evidence, all because of a psychotic hatred and rage for Trump. And his supporters, the irredeemable, deplorable, smelly Walmart people like us that cling to our God, guns, Bibles, religion, how awful we must be. And by the way, by clinging to your Bible, meaning you want to be a better person in line. That doesn't mean you're perfect. Anyway, so uh, now I got the Washington Post version of this that. All right. So President Trump's election, blah, 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 the. Robert Mueller's report detailing his investigation 
will be delivered to Congress by mid-April, and 10 seconds later it will be on fake news CNN. By the Attorney General, he said today in a letter to lawmakers, everyone will be able to read it on their own. He said he, in the letter, he outlines the timeline for the next steps of this process uh, and by which Justice Department officials are sharing their nearly 400-page report. Barr said he does not plan to submit the report to the White House for review, although the president would have the right to assert privilege over certain parts of the report. He stated publicly that he intends to defer to me, and accordingly there are no plans to submit the report to the White House for a privilege review. Not sure I think that's a good idea. Mueller delivered his conclusions to senior leaders at the department last week. After reviewing the report, the attorney general sent the four-page letter to Congress on Sunday saying Mueller did not find, quote, did not find the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with Russia in its efforts to influence the 2016 presidential election. Barr's Sunday letter also said the special counsel withheld judgment on whether Trump tried to obstruct justice during the investigation. The special counsel did not draw a conclusion one way or the other as to whether the examined conduct constituted obstruction. Well, it would usually have to be a crime first. But anyway, uh, and left it to the attorney, clearly left that decision. Here's the here's the case. You decide. Because remember, it was Rod Rosenstein who did this. So it was Rod Rosenstein and Barr almost instantaneously drawing the conclusion that if you don't have the evidence to prove obstruction, then you can't charge somebody with obstruction. Anyway, and Barr wrote, uh, the special counsel states that while it does not conclude the president committed a crime, it does not exonerate him. Since the Sunday letter, Democrat, they're demanding to see the full letter. But all you got to do is get both sides of an argument. And it had nothing to do but with the idea that the president, a sitting president, can't be indicted. Anyway, this letter today by the attorney general, um, he said, will redact information that would potentially compromise sources and methods of intelligence collection, any information that would unduly infringe on the personal privacy and reputational interests of peripheral third parties. And Barr also disputes the characterization that his earlier notice to Congress was a summary of the report. He says, my March 24th letter was not and did not purport to be an exhaustive recounting of the special counsel's investigation or report. As my letter made clear, my notification to Congress and the public provided pending release of the report and a summary of its principal conclusions. That is its bottom line. And the special counsel's report, nearly 400 pages long, exclusive of tables and appendices appendix and sets forth the special counsel's findings his analysis and reasons for his conclusions i do not believe it would be in the public's interest for me to attempt to summarize the full report or to release it in serial or piecemeal fashion by the way which is what he's charged with to do and the letter bar also offered to testify before the senate and house judiciary committees on may 1st and 2nd uh, Mueller's report Mark the end of the 22-month investigation after Barr, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it is, it's amazing, you know, just in the course of 20 minutes, how the news changes in this country. It really is. Um, I just got this sent to me. Um, apparently a story that got buried by the media. I don't know if this person would want me telling them, telling everybody who it is. Um, it has to do with a law 
that um, made what was to make Westchester County, New York, a sanctuary county in 2017. But it was enacted later. They first stopped it. Then it was, you know, apparently. But anyway, there's a report out today headline that illegal alien arrested by New Rochelle police for a child rape freed by Westchester County despite ICE detainer. What have I been saying? When do the sanctuary city policies, when does it result in culpability? You know, you have criminal aliens in custody. The law allows and defines the ICE, the federal government in charge. They want to detain them after they serve their jail time. And they named the person from a a Guatemalan national encountered Border Patrol agents first in 09, arrested by local Texas authorities uh, in 09, in July of 09, uh, ordered removed by immigration judges in in Texas, and he was removed to Guatemala in 09. This according to officials from uh, the U.S. Immigration Customs Enforcement Agency that, of course, (laughs) you know, the 2020 candidates want to eliminate. And, of course, Beto O'Rourke, no more border walls at all. We'll tear them down. Anyway, February 14th, ICE became aware that this individual had re-entered the country illegally after he was taken into local custody for felony rape charges in New Rochelle. Anyway, the guy is 26 years of age, charged with third-degree rape in February, 4 a.m., held for arraignment, according to the New Rochelle police captain, Cosmo Costa. Third-degree rape is having sexual intercourse with someone who is incapable of consenting, typically a minor. ICE lodged a detaining order with local authorities February 19th. The active detaining order was not honored. He was released on bond from Westchester County Jail on February 25th. Immigration, Customs Enforcement, ICE, uh, for example, they assigned to this particular case. And, quote, he was released from Westchester County Jail with an active detainer due to Westchester's Westchester County's Immigration Protection Act, according to Rachel Young, uh, Yao, who is the public officers, affairs officers of ICE New York. This man with a pending rape charge in Westchester released back into the unsuspecting community as local authorities were prevented from honoring the detainer because of their new Immigration Protection Act, said Thomas Decker, field office director, Uh, In New York, let me be clear. We're not arresting law abiding legal immigrants who are charged by Congress to arrest those who are in this country illegally breaking the laws of this nation, keeping our top priority on criminal aliens and removing aliens who are threatening to our communities. This individual was taken into custody on March 14th. It's currently pending removal from the United States. Wow. Unbelievable. When do, when do we ever hold accountable people that are aiding and abetting in the release of innocent people? Now, the president made clear today, he's not kidding around, and his threat that he made last night, his, his, his rally in Michigan last night was on fire, but his threat to close the U.S.-Mexico border next week if Mexico does not stop undocumented immigrants from coming to the United States. One of the big issues now is actually people in other countries believe the president's getting it done. Many people didn't pay attention, but he actually, they weren't able to override his veto. That means the the funds that have been uh, 
that are going to be reallocated from the Defense Department that they have identified. That's all happening. It's about $9 billion worth, a lot more than the president was even looking for at this time, on top of the one35 And he said, if Mexico doesn't immediately stop all the illegal immigration coming to the United States on our southern border, I will be closing the border or large sections of the border next week. President tweeted out. He hasn't put a timeline on it. Commissioner of U.S. Customs Border Protection claimed the situation is at a breaking point. Yeah, because they believe the president's going to do it. By the way, 92% we now know of illegal families ignore deportation orders. Meanwhile, the U.S. currently has 147,000 troops stationed abroad, ensuring border security for foreign countries. Washington Times reported the staggering 92% of family members failed to appear at their deportation hearings in the months since September. Lindsey Graham also quoted this uh, out as well. And the administration is seeking a court order to deport unaccompanied people. And, you know, Trump, I, I mean, it's just unbelievable. We even care. You know, if it's your child that is the victim, what do we talk about? 4,000 homicides, 30,000 sexual assaults, 100,000 violent assaults in a two-year period by illegal immigrants against American citizens. At what point do we say, okay, the job here is to protect Americans? And these, these policies are not protecting the American people. All right, we've got all these breaking stories. Also, Doug Collins is going to join us. Um, You don't want to miss him. He's the one responsible for releasing all of the transcripts of all these closed-door hearings. Uh, Page and Strzok yesterday, Nellie Orr, which we told you about yesterday, and and Bruce Orr and McCain's aide. He's the guy. Uh, Also, yeah, there was some collusion. We have some evidence in the 2016 election beyond Adam Shifty Schiff, the cowardly Schiff. We'll get to that. Um, don't forget Hannity tonight at nine. Uh, Judge Janine Pirro. Oh, back. will join us tonight. Uh, the great one, Mark Levin tonight. We'll have all this breaking news for you as well. Nine Eastern on Fox on Hannity. Hope you'll join us. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter of a tank of gas if you're lucky. You know what it will get you, though? For just $20 a month, you'll get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk, a veteran-owned company. Now, you get the same quality service that you get from the big carriers, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, but you get it at half the cost. The average family saves close to $1,000 a year. And guess what? There's no activation fees and no contract to sign. 
and they use the same cell towers and the same 5G network. Make the switch today, and if you do it today, you save an additional 50% off your first month. Anyway, this is a company that shares your values. They support our military and our veterans. And by the way, they don't advertise on fake news networks, thankfully. Go to the website, puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Make the switch. It's simple. It's fast. It's easy. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean. That's Sean, S-E-A-N. Make the switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. When, yes. those, when those legends get here, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> You're here. You're here already. No. Uh, we didn't either when we were watching yeah, this that's day. The that's we the didn't problem. realize it until we uh, oh. started getting into seasons three and four, and now we're like, oh my God. We were both so good on the show, and we missed it because we were we young. We were kids and, and so self-involved. Egomaniacs. Yeah. And <laughs> didn't realize well, no, how great you were. We've talked about it. I think you just assumed everybody was as good as them. And, right. and then right. you get into, right. as you grow up and you work with other actors, you realize how oh. lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Write down our toll-free uh, telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to join us. We have a new development. If you, if Democrats really, really care about foreign countries and influence uh, in the lead-up and, and trying to impact the 2016 election, or is it that they just care if Trump did it? Like, we do have, for example, the cowardly shift on tape, you know, breathlessly colluding with a Russian to dig up dirt on Donald Trump. Uh, what is the, uh, yeah, we got compromising Trump. Yes, yeah. What, what is the nature? Uh, the naked Trump, naked Trump. Oh, oh, did you tell Putin? Yeah, of course we tell Putin, of course. Um, but they didn't care. They didn't care. It's the most, it's the irony and insult in all of this is that the phony Clinton bought and paid for with funneled money through a law firm to an op research group to Christopher Steele, a foreign agent that put together Russian lies. That word disseminated, let's see, the Washington Post, David Korn, Michael Lizikoff, I believe they all had it as well. And that was to impact the 2016 election with her bought and paid for Russian lies. And then, of course, well, don't tell the FISA court that, of course, we never verified any of this or corroborate, corroborated any of this. And don't absolutely don't tell the FISA court Hillary paid for it. And don't tell anybody that Christopher Steele hates Trump. So, you know, all of that happened. All of it. Do they care about that? No, it's only if it's Trump. You know, we, we have FISA applications coming. We have 302s coming. Gang of any information coming. We have five separate buckets of information that will blow a lot of this hoax and scheme and, and plot and attempted coup out of the water. But we have a congressman from Georgia who we've been telling you about, Doug Collins. Well, he's been releasing the closed door transcripts when of, of people like Bruce Orr and Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and McCain's aide involved with the FBI getting the dossier and maybe giving it to others. And yesterday it was Nellie Orr. And uh, 
Congressman Collins of Georgia joins us right now. How are you, sir? What district are you in in Georgia? I'm in the 9th District, Sean, up in northeast Georgia, Lake Lanier. Oh, beautiful, by the way, up there. So nice. And it's grown by leaps and bounds, too. I mean, the population growth from the time I was there when I left in 96 is massive. Oh, it's great. Everybody coming up here and enjoying the time. I mean, Georgia's a great place to be. One of the saddest things I saw is when Lake Lanier went down to nothing. That's all been changed, right? Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're full right now. We've been full for a little while, so, so it's getting ready for a great summer. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the what you learned. You, what, what are the top ten things you learned from the release of these five, <laughs> well, closed-door sessions, if you will, testimony of these key players under oath that we didn't know before, and what does it mean? I think some of the things that we've learned, I think that it headed off, and you can you don't even have to go to top ten. You can just start off with a, with a few of the biggest that I think that the American people now that Mueller has you know has found no collusion, no obstruction, we, we can move on with a, with this presidency doing exactly what it's supposed to grow the economy and be a part of what we're doing as America. You can find out number one that you have players, rogue actors in the Department of Justice who believe that they were untouchable. Peter Strzok believed that it was his uh, responsibility to change the election, to change the cycle, to, to do whatever he could as, quote, to uh, have the insurance policy or to have the uh, assurance that uh, Donald Trump would not become president. We find out from Lisa Page that early on in the Clinton email investigation, everybody wants to, you talk about Democrats wanting transparency, they never want to get close to this. Because they find out that Ms., uh, at the highest levels, Lynch Department of Justice, that they were saying gross negligence is not what we're going to say. In fact, we're not even going to call it an investigation. We're going to call it a matter. We're not even going to get close to this. And, and they began to feel the pressure long before they even started interviewing people. And then we find out from people like Bruce Orr, who actually said, hey, I've got this. You may want to check into it. But that didn't matter to the corrupt cabal of Strzok, Page, and McCabe, who only it began to see is they hated Donald Trump. They did not want him to be president. And when you take all of that together, it should just send shivers down the spine of any American, no matter their political persuasion, that this could be happening at a Department of Justice that's supposed to be blind and fairly put the law into perspective, not have one standard for the ones they like and one standard for the ones they don't. You know, we keep saying we've got to hold people accountable here. And when I look at all of this and the people that started this and the insurance policy and the rigged investigation into Hillary and and literally using bought and paid for and I think money that is very questionable in terms of where it was passed, uh, you know, off as a as a legal expense to an op research group to a foreign national, which if you, a, far, a campaign can't pay a foreign national. And then the lies on an extraordinary level that were leaked to members of the press. And then the lies and the fraud committed before a FISA court. And then the insurance policy. And, you know, now we have, uh, you know, a nine-month FBI investigation, two congressional investigations, and the Mueller report saying no collusion. And still people cling on to this. But, you know, I'm really concerned that if we don't get to the bottom of it, that it will happen again, and the president rightly saying that this cannot happen to another president, never mind using the powerful tools of intelligence that we entrust to very important people to turn it against the American people the way it's been used. Tell me how we get to full accountability. How do we get to the checks and balances ensuring that this can never happen again without compromising the ever-important issue, which is... Um, national security. 
Well, Sean, you've hit on the, the, really the essence of the problem we've got. And, and President Trump hit it perfectly when he said this shouldn't happen to anybody. It should never happen to another president. In fact, let's go back in time. Let's take a real quick history lesson. How did we get this? Go back to the 70s with the Church Commission. When we had a problem in our intelligence and our law enforcement communities, which is how we began the FISA court, the FISA process, to put in protections for American citizens, to make sure that this was being done right in a way that is, uh, that is helpful to our country and, and does and puts forward the things that we need done in our national security interests and our foreign national security interests, but does so at the without uh, turning itself on its own projects like we have just seen happen. I think when we understand that, now Bill Barr is in a position, as he said in his confirmation hearings, he's willing to look into the FISA abuse. He's willing to look into what is happening here. So that is why, one, we're releasing these transcripts. We're calling the, to account these who have uh, willingly been a participant in what was to try and take down a president and or a candidate at the time and then a president. And we need to make sure that the American people understand that, that you had two investigations. You had an investigation by Bob Mueller who said that we ended up with no collusion, no obstruction. And now we have an investigation that was conducted over the past two years in the House and in in Congress that showed actual problems. So I think what I want to do is call on the Democrats to say, if you really want transparency, you really want to show wrongdoing, now time to look at what actually happened. I think, Sean, there ought to be a shift rule. We'll just call it the Adam shift rule, that if you supposedly have evidence of a wrongdoing, you have to show it. Instead of being like Adam Schiff or Eric Swalwell or these others who simply say, you know, I've got all this evidence, but I'm not going to show you, and simply stirring the pot. They were the ones being used by, you know, to continue the distrust in our election system. Those are the ones that need to be held accountable for what they're saying. And, it, and I've said before, they need to apologize for what they're doing because they're the ones sowing distrust. What we learned yesterday, thanks to you releasing Nellie Orr's testimony, I, I thought was unbelievably amazing. But, um, you know, and and you're alone in doing this. But, you know, Nellie worked hand in hand with Christopher Steele at Fusion GPS, mm-hmm. you know, the wife of the fourth highest ranking DOJ official at the time, Bruce Orr, admitted to meeting with Steele one day before the FBI launched their counterintelligence probe you know, crossfire hurricane into Trump and Russia in 2016. And Bruce Orr, by the way, was at the meeting. And we learned Nellie Orr was instructed to dig up dirt on Manafort and Flynn. And they ended up being a target of the special counsel. And also admitting to targeting Donald Trump Jr. and Melania Trump. And, you know, the flash drive of the the dossier the, with Russian lies. He, she hands to her husband's. Why to disseminate it throughout the DOGA and FBI? Which means they probably used all of that as their roadmap. And, you know, we know a key source for Fusion GPS, you know, uh, is the very same Ukrainian lawmaker who was accused of timing the release of information about Manafort to help Hillary Clinton win. In an irony of all ironies. You know, I, 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 I'm flabbergasted that this has ever happened in the United States. And the, the fact that the media ignores it makes it even more insane to me. Well, it, it is amazing, Sean. I mean, think about this. Can you, I, you know, we've all been in watched elections. I've never seen a bunch of folks who were so upset that Donald Trump won. And, and it had, But it was not just after the election. It was before the election. This is what the Nelly Orr transcript and all these other transcripts have shown, that there was a pattern developing here. And I think one of the things that's interesting to me that you just brought out a lot of, of interesting parts as far as, number one, uh, Nellie Orr's uh, insistence is she didn't know that 
uh, Glenn Simpson was basically working on a, a similar project or a same project paid for. I mean, it was an interesting correlation there to see what she was providing, and she didn't, you know. Uh, you know, come forward in that and didn't want to talk about her own communications with her husband, who was a top uh, official and still is in the in the Department of Justice. So these are the kind of things that you sit back that you would think would be like Tom Clancy novel of fiction. And unfortunately, it was true. And it's and we need to make sure that the people understand this to take a step back to realize that this president is doing everything he can to make this country the country that is the greatest in the world. And these were people who simply had a blind political ambition to see Hillary Clinton become president. And that's all they were concerned about. And it started back in, you know, in a time before uh, he was actually the official candidate and then continued and increased after that. But that's an interesting meeting at the Mayflower because okay. they uh, met at the Mayflower oh, and yeah. started the next day. Congressman, what, what else is coming? And how, uh, the other question I want to ask you is, how high up does this go? Because thanks to you, we now know from Strzok and Page that this was these decisions were being made by Loretta Lynch. And even they knew the fix was in on Hillary's case. How high up does this go in the former Obama administration? Well, I think that's the thing that, that struck me the most. And I think caused me the most uh, as we were looking at these and going back. We knew this was happening. You know, it was, it was just too obvious to not to when we were first looking into the Clinton uh, the email investigations we began to see what was happening and it was not we couldn't understand the pieces and after we started talking to Comey and, and interviewing him at the in through committee process not even these interviews we're talking about here you sense that this was a problem and her explanation of meeting Bill Clinton and her you know getting out of it and trying to say it was at that point really didn't make sense so now the page transcript actually begins to show us that this was started early on high up in the Department of Justice under her watch, that really it was a, I would say a whitewash to start with. It was just they were trying to clean the slate, saying, let's get this off the table, you know, telling Comey this is not an investigation, just treat it as a matter. In other words, let's just get through it as quickly as possible. When you have that kind of, of pressure, it, it shows that the politicization of the Obama administration, especially in the Department of Justice, is something that has now carried through several years and really is a concern for us moving forward. Because when you let that happen, that erodes confidence you know, down the chain. And I think we need to make sure that as we look at this and people begin to see that this was not a bunch of Republicans saying you should have went after Clinton harder. And no, it was actually, there was, a, you know, frankly, a, a uh, cover-up in the uh, investigation that never allowed the, the folks to do the job that they were supposed to be doing. Well, I mean, it's a little scary that this could happen in America. But, you know, why do I think that if Page and Strzok are saying that the attorney general at the time, Loretta Lynch, knew uh, and she's telling Comey it's not an investigation but a matter and she's meeting with Bill Clinton on the tarmac, uh, why do I want to know what Obama knew and when he knew it? Well, as close as they all were, I mean, this is why the investigation needed to continue. This is why when we began to look into this, the honest questions of of why this happened and how it happened and and, and look jim comey was as much a, a part of this and for him to recently come out and say he didn't understand the Mueller investigation was just sort of a crock uh, considering you know his role in the uh email investigation and how it was handled so i mean i think you've got problems up and down the chain and up and down the, the line here that continue to need to be part of the process of what we're doing well, I want to thank you, Congressman, for all you're doing, and look forward to the rest of these transcripts coming out. I know it's going to be coming cascading down, and FISA warrants, and 302s, and Gang of Eight, and there, there's going to be accountability, and in large part 
because of the few brave people in the Freedom Caucus that stand up like you do. Thank you, sir, for being with us. Well, we appreciate it, Sean. Keep up the fight. All right. Do the Democrats and the media, do they care at all about, let's say, real collusion with real evidence? Well, we're going to ask that question, a shocking report. John Solomon next. Hannity tonight, we had an amazing show, um, including, uh, she's back, by the way, uh, Judge Pirro will be on with us at Fox tonight, and the great one, Mark Levin, and much more. Tell you more about it as the show unfolds. Thank you, as always, for being with us. Your willingness to continue to promote a demonstrably false narrative is alarming. The findings of the special counsel conclusively refute your past and present assertions and have exposed you as having abused your position to knowingly promote false information. As such, we have no faith in your ability to discharge your duties in a manner consistent with your constitutional responsibility and urge your immediate resignation as chairman of the committee. I think it's immoral. I think it's unethical. I think it's unpatriotic. And yes, I think it's corrupt and evidence of collusion. I don't think it's okay that his attorney lied to our committee. There's a different word for that than collusion, and it's called compromise. I will not yield. Mr. Ambassador, well, you gentlemen are... yield because you, you just are, made some will, things about will, all of us that I, I think will, we all should get up to respond to. I will not say, yield. And we need to get to the bottom of it. So Adam Schiff needs to be one that comes forward. If he has evidence, put it on the table. Uh, and uh, so if he has committed crimes, we need to find out. And I, I think uh, that is uh, one individual absolutely that uh, needs to be brought forward for a thorough investigation. All right, there you have, uh, you know, these are amazing times as we now begin this process. It'll be long. It'll be at times arduous. But in the end, because we love America, we love our Constitution, we love the rule of law, we love the principles of equal justice under the law, uh, our civil liberties being protected and equal application of our laws. It all matters. And what what tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists, you know, between Maddow and Schiff, the cowardly Schiff. I mean, honestly, we have got to get this right. You know, it was amazing. The president said it. This should never happen to any other president. It, it can't. We can't survive if they're not held accountable. It should not happen to anybody in this country that the powerful tools of intelligence are turned on you. We the people, as we have talked so often about. Now the question is, as we now hold them accountable, do they really care about outside foreign government influence in our elections? Because if they do, then they're going to pay attention to a story we have been following and telling you about that was broken by our friend John Solomon. Remember, John has been part of the, the very few in our group, our ensemble, if you will, that have been day by day unpeeling the onion and finding out the corruption in the deep state, the abuse of intelligence, the FISA warrants, uh, the 350% increase in surveillance, unmasking, leaking raw intelligence, and so much more. And he has now uncovered a very, well, insidious situation that is happening with what happened in the 2016 election. John, how are you? Good to be with you, Sean. Why not let you explain in the difference between Trump-Russia collusion and what we have as it relates to this Ukrainian plot is very interesting to me because there's actual real evidence and the Ukrainian parliament and or members of the Ukrainian government there, you know, they ruled back in in what December that actions that were taken, quote, amounted to meddling in the 2016 American presidential yeah. election. 
That's Ukrainian right. lawmaker. No. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So what we know is that a court in Ukraine has concluded that the what I would call the FBI of Ukraine, it's the Anti-Corruption Bureau, NABU it's called, in Ukraine, uh, wrongfully intervened in the United States election by knowingly and willfully leaking <clears throat> documents about Paul Manafort's um, uh, finances in Ukraine uh, to the American media during the middle of the election. If you remember, right in that uh, June, July, August time frame when Manafort was the uh, temporary camp- uh, campaign chairman for the Trump campaign, all of a sudden these stories came out in the New York Times, AP, and other places about Manafort's dealings with the party of regions in Ukraine, and those all get leaked at the same time. The Ukraine court has concluded that NABU and its chief officials, senior officials, leaked that, and they did so intentionally with the goal of trying to influence the American election. That's a court finding. That's not a speculation. It's not an uncorroborated document. It's an official finding of the uh, Ukrainian government. But beyond that, we now have surfaced in the last few weeks uh, a Ukrainian member of parliament, through an order of the court, released uh, an audio tape purporting to capture the NABU officials boasting that they did this leak intentionally uh, because they preferred Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. So here you have a Ukrainian government agency uh, both on tape and in through a court ruling, being uh, having been found to have tried to intentionally influence the election in favor of Hillary Clinton. And so it raises the question, well, what did Hillary Clinton's people know? Let's take you back to the, the spring of 2017 to a story that almost nobody paid attention to. But Politico had an article that reported that for some reason, the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's campaign kept a full-time researcher in contact with the Ukrainian embassy in Washington. So Hillary Clinton is on the receiving end in Washington. She sets up a receiving post at a foreign embassy in Washington to find information on Donald Trump and Russia. And what's going on in Ukraine? Well, the NABU, the Ukrainian officials, are gathering that information and leaking it to the media. Now, there's a lot of steps that have to be connected before we make any assumptions. We don't want to run ahead like the dodgy dossier and do things like that. But we have an early pattern of a campaign taking an unusual step of planting someone at a foreign embassy, and now a foreign court ruling saying that country did indeed try to intervene in the U.S. election and did indeed try to help Mrs. Clinton. Well, I mean, the amazing thing about this is, is and frankly a little ironic, you, you know, the most ironic thing is obvious. You got shifty, yeah. cowardly shift on tape colluding with somebody he believes to be a Russian that had compromised right. material on, on, on Donald Trump. The nature of the compromise, <laughs> uh, naked, uh, naked Donald Trump. Um, um, right. Have you shared it with Putin? Uh, of course, of course. Uh, uh, yes, you shared it with Putin. Um, it, <laughs> you I have mean, a very good uh, recounting going on here. Well, but the point is, there was real. Yeah. Well, we also have a dossier. I mean, imagine this. You know, the nine-month investigation, FBI, nothing. Yeah. Two congressional investigations. They conclude no collusion. Now Mueller, no ambiguity. That's right. No collusion. No collusion. And they're still pushing it. And meanwhile, do they care at all about? Collusion. Do they care about the the designed release of sensitive information about Paul Manafort in 2016 to help Hillary win? That would be outside electoral interference. Do they care about the issue or is it just bludgeoning Trump? It doesn't matter that Hillary had a bought and paid for phony Russian dossier. Uh, It only matters if Trump did talk to a Russian, you know, at the the you know, at a Russian restaurant one day. 
Well, the dual system of justice, uh, when you when you hear the, the difference in the way the Democrats have treated the Ukrainian versus the Russian stuff, you see why so many Americans feel like there are two systems of justice going on. Let's draw a few more connections, again, that the American public has not been heard of, not heard of because the Democrats haven't spent any time investigating it. We now know, because of uh, the, the, uh, the deposition and testimony of Nellie Orr, that Nellie Orr gave information to her husband, the senior Justice Department official, Bruce Orr, to give to the FBI on Donald Trump. What we learned this week, <clears throat> when her testimony was released by Congress, is that one of the primary sources of information that her company, Fusion GPS, that's Glenn Simpson, that's Christopher Steele, that's Nellie Orr, where did they get their information from? A Ukrainian parliamentary member, in Ukraine. Again, another data point showing that the Democrats in this operation are relying on Ukraine to get information uh, dirt on Donald Trump uh, uh, during the election and, and trying to tie him to Russia. Now, let's keep in mind what's going on here. This could be a proxy war. Russia and Ukraine are neighbors that are at war with each other over Crimea during this very moment, and Ukraine may very well uh, have had its own effort and desire to influence the election, and, and they're interfering. You don't hear any of this, even though the data points are sitting out in the open space, and that's where if, if Adam Schiff wants to run a credible investigation, he has to look at both of these things, yet he's not talking about half of it. You know, I, I want you to stand back. It was March of 20. 17, that you started this process, you and Sarah were on my show, and it was about surveillance and unmasking right. and no minimization and a 350% increase in, in unmaskings, which, by the way, we still need to get to the bottom of. And Samantha Powers, you know, 300 requests to unmask right. people that she claims I, I know nothing about. I want you to stand back big picture, because now that the Mueller report's in, now that we know that Hillary's investigation was rigged and FISA and, you know, deep state operatives turning the powerful weapons of intelligence on some Americans, what is the answer? In other words, I keep saying Rush said it last night. The president has said it. This can't happen again. And right. you being so involved from the get go. And by the way, I, I count maybe 25 of us total in the right. country against the 99.999 percent of media and Democrats, et cetera. You right. know, what is the answer to prevent it from ever happening again? Big picture. What do you think? Well, I've always thought that punishment is the ultimate deterrent. That's why we have a prison system. That's why we have laws. Anyone who is involved in the United States intelligence apparatus that knowingly and willfully misled the FISA court, knowingly and with, uh, willfully misled a president or the American public during election should be held accountable under whatever tools are available to us, whether they're criminal prosecution or administrative actions, termination, firing, discipline. But there is clear evidence that there have been a, a, a fraud, a, a misinformation campaign that was fed to the FISA court to allow the spying on a, on a, a duly elected Republican nominee's uh, campaign. And there's equal evidence that that effort through leaking, coordinated right. leaking between the FBI and Steele, influenced the election or certainly intended to influence the election in 2016. Donald Trump still won despite it. If we're going to prevent this from happening again, accountability, doesn't it have to then start with the rigged investigation into Hillary, the Espionage Act, the obstruction of justice with her, or does it even go back earlier? 
Well, it certainly has to start at least that soon, right? Because there, the mid-year exam, the, the investigation that cleared Hillary Clinton despite evidence of criminal negligence, uh, is intricately and, and impossibly connected to the Russia investigation on, on so many levels, including the fact that the day Hillary Clinton gets a clean bill of health from James Comey despite the evidence of criminality, that's the day that Christopher Steele walks into the FBI and says, oh, by the way, here's my dossier. There are so many, and it's the same players, Stroke and Pager on both investigations. The way the FBI handled both investigations, pulling them out of the field office and letting a small group of politically uh, biased uh, executives run those investigations when the normal process is leave it in the field with field agents. They're, they're inextricably linked together because they were handled the same way by the same people with the same biases. So it has to start there. But as you wind forward, you have to look. There were co-conspirators in, in creating this narrative. And some of those co-conspirators are in my own profession. My own profession has to come clean about how it got things wrong, how it exaggerated, how it reported in erroneous things. I always point to this story in the New York Times. February 2017, one of the seminal stories in the, in the driving the narrative. It said that the New York Times reported there were senior Trump officials who met with senior Russian intelligence officials to coordinate the campaign. That did not happen. And when James Comey testified, it did not happen. The New York Times didn't correct it. When Bob Mueller came out with his report and said there was no collusion, the New York Times hasn't corrected that story. Instead, it spent most of its time apologizing for one of the stories that it had that might have been right. The October 31st, no. 2016 story that said there wasn't collusion probably going Unbelievable. on. All right, last question. You know, everyone, well, we need the full report. You're, you have sources. Anything in that report that differs from the AG's characterization and Rod Rosenstein's uh, agreement on the issue of obstruction? I don't think so. <clears throat> I think there's going to be a series of chronological events describing the activities around the firing of Comey and, and the go-easy alleged comments that are made about Flynn. And those may extend beyond conversations the president <coughs> excuse me, had with Comey to some of his other aides. So, you know, there's going to be a chronology that comes out, and people will draw their own inferences. Democrats will cry crime. Republicans will say there's not. <clears throat> but I don't think the body of fact is going to change much, and it is time to move beyond the questions that have gotten two and a half years of investigation to the, the questions that have barely gotten any investigation. Ukraine, FISA abuse, um, all of the things that we've been talking about that the rest of the country has sort of ignored. All right. Great job. Great work. And yeah, holding them accountable is going to be probably as big or bigger job over time. Uh, right. John Solomon, you should uh, take a bow. You know, Thank there you, should sir. be Pulitzer's re returned and uh, you should be up for one. And so should now a lot of other people a I know. Time ago. You're only as good as your next story. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, you're going to be working pretty hard for the next two years on peeling this Amen. onion. Trust me. Uh, all right. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. My news roundup information overload hour here on the Sean Hannity Show. What an incredible week this has been. And... I think this is a turning point. Well, I've been talking to everybody in, in, on our team here about this, and you just you just think back here, and and I know the Democrats are just going to cling and cling and cling to hope and prayer and 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 fasting that uh, we need the whole Mueller report. We need it all. It's just this can't be. This is a a radical interpretation by by political hacks and. 
By the way, this is rigged, and, you know, we get more tinfoil hat conspiracies now than we were getting fed for the last two years. What I know is that it is a summary of the report. Well, I don't want a summary of the report. I want the whole damn report. Because nobody, especially this president, is above the law. The Mueller report must be made public. All of it. It is not often that I agree with Richard Nixon. Now, did many commentators and Democratic politicians allege collusion? Yes. Did many journalists ask about it? Yes. But there is a giant difference between asking and telling. Speculation actually has value too. It helps open our eyes, helps open our minds to what's possible. There has been such fabulous reporting by especially the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal. I'm reluctant to talk about it at all because, I, you know, we don't know anything. It's a remarkable time in terms of the country and the clarity that I think this country needs because we're talking about institutions of this great country that are in jeopardy. And the fact that you have the biggest, I've said it from the get-go, and there's, there's really not been a lot of us. That, that's a big problem to me as well. And it's, this is not patting each other on the back and saying, oh, we, we got it right, they got it wrong, and, and you know, pounding our chest here. No, it's not that at all. It's a matter of we came way too close to what is the equivalent of a coup in this country by people that abused power on a level that was probably inconceivable to most Americans. Not, and, and I make the distinction all the time, this is not rank and file, you know, FBI. The FBI remains the premier law enforcement agency in the entire world. It's the 99% are great. It's the, you know, the Comeys of the world, the Strucks and Pages of the world. And, you know, sadly, Andrew McCabe and Baker and, you know, Rabicki, perhaps. I don't, you know, who knows in the end who's going to be held accountable in all of this. That's sad to me. You know, and then you look at the abuse of intelligence, a 350% increase in unmasking in 2016 alone. Why? How does Samantha Powers of the U.N., you know, unmask, you know, 300 Americans and then say, well, I don't recall any of it. Well, OK, that's really troubling. Those tools of the intelligence community are powerful. They are beyond your comprehension and mine, too. You know, what I have learned from my friends in the intel community I, it, it simply blows me away. Linda, you sat in on some of those meetings and we hear their capabilities. We are stunned and it's it is only a small sliver of what their capabilities truly and really are. Yeah, but I it, mean, it's it, honestly this is one of those moments in our history where, you know, we have the ability to sit with people who have information and we watch how it's being used against private citizens. And, and that's the point here. 
And, you know, I know we've got uh, all these people, if we're going to hold them accountable, the Sally Yates, Comey's, Baker's, Brennan's, Clapper's. What about Brennan, though? Can we talk about Brennan for a minute? Can we talk? You want to talk? I think we should talk about him for a minute. You You know, we're very lucky. We have Ethan here who has uh, even more of an elephant memory than me. And he showed me this cut today. Show off. Go ahead. Listen, I know know what my skill set is, but his might be a little better in this arena when it comes to audio. And so he showed me this cut this morning from last year, and uh, I think we should play it. I think it's really important. It's my understanding that everything that Bruce Orr did was approved uh, and known to senior Department of Justice officials, coordinated closely with the FBI. Uh, so I think this is something that you know will have to be looked at. I don't know all the facts here, but I think some of the facts that are being purported by some members of Congress uh, may not, in fact, be the actual facts. I mean, this is this is John Brennan. This mm-hmm. is a man who worked for our intelligence department, who, who worked for our, the agency, who led the people, who was supposed to be a man who believed in honesty and respecting, you know, the, the rule of law. And he's full you of know, crap. Well, hang Who's going to hold him accountable? It's worse than that. He's also to- he's called the president of the United States that he's guilty of treason. You're right, Sean. It is actually worse than that. That's disgusting. It's it is beyond disgusting. You know, now you've got um, I'm sure we talked about it earlier, you know, actual proof of actual collusion with a, a, a news agency, MSNBC and the DNC. I mean, it would be it, it is it is, you know, it, sometimes this has gotten. You know, it gets very hard when you are competing against tinfoil hat conspiracy theories every night. And they have created an atmosphere where they build up this expectation, this this passion in their audience and whip their minds and hearts and and souls even into a frenzy of expectation. And it's happened before with (laughs) severe consequences, as we have discussed you know, when you were, I'll take Baltimore as one example only, you know, or or Duke Lacrosse, another, take any of the high profile cases we talk about. But you you create an expectation by statements, reckless, irresponsible statements, not based in fact, but based on accusation, not based on evidence, but based on, you know, the uh, hopes or what, whatever it is, an agenda. And then people, well... You mean it's not happening? That that's you, we knew this was going to happen. They did, but there was never going to happen. There never was any collusion. Yeah, but remember the Washington Examiner when they put out that article back in 2017. They've updated it now all the way up to 2019, and we have it on Hannity.com. And one of the things that we keep seeing over and over again is it's not about being right. It's not about having facts. It's not about having proof. It's about pushing a narrative and preying on those who we know are not going to do their due diligence. They're not going to do the research. They're going to read one story on one site, and that's it. They know nothing because they don't take it upon themselves to learn more. They get their news from their one source, no matter how biased it might be, and they don't get the facts. You know, that's the one difference between the two sides right now is that there's the right, the left, and then people who just want information. They don't care what side it comes from so long as it's true. And that's our biggest problem right now. Yeah, it just is. These are amazing times. You know, the, and again, this, you know, this new scandal that is rocking so-called 30 Rock. I mean, um, 
I just got to tell you, it's mind numbing to me. It really is. It's not mind numbing to us. We're a wide and awake. They're the, no, they're the it, ones that are well, numb and the, asleep. But the fact that it you know is now falling into place. What have I been saying all week that the media and the DNC are one? They are one. Now they're going to say, "Well, Hannity, all the times you've talked to the president of the United States." First of all, it's not. I, if I do or don't talk to the president, my answer to all these idiots that call and inquire about it, I say, "Well." Um, I'm a member of the press and I'm a talk show host. And yes, we do news investigator reporting opinion and sports. Like later, we're, you know, we're going to have Herschel Walker and we're the whole newspaper. But you say you're news and only news and you're supposed to be fair, balanced, objective. Uh, I take on all those different roles as a talk show host. We're the whole newspaper. You're not. And what a news organization is literally colluding with the DNC or fake news CNN giving questions to the favored candidate. It's this is this is not news journalism. What have I said? It is dead. It is dead. It is gone. It is buried. So, Sean, remember when we put up on Hannity.com, we did the news organizations and the ties to the White House, right? Mm-hmm. So when Barack Obama was president, nobody gave a rip about the connections between all of the different correspondents, president of networks. I'll just name a few. And this is from Hanny.com, right? We got ABC senior correspondent Claire Shipman. She was with, she was married to White House press secretary Jay Carney. And then we had CNN president Virginia Mosley was married to uh, Hillary Clinton's deputy secretary Tom Nides. Then we have CBS president David Rhodes, top Obama official Ben Rhodes, ABC president Ben Sherwood, mar- uh, siblings with Obama special advisor Elizabeth Sherwood. No Nobody cared. These are people. I mean, you're friends with the president. You've been friends with the president for over 20 years. These people are married and are blood relatives to network lead anchors, correspondents and presidents. And nobody gave they didn't care at all. All right. Quick break. We'll come back and uh, continue. And Herschel Walker at the bottom of the hour. And as we continue. But here's my point to them. And what I say to them all the time is the same thing. Um, And that is very, very simple. Okay, well, tell me who your friends you might talk to or may not talk to. Tell me who your anonymous sources are. Tell me, you know, uh, whether you use sources, whether you have get background information. And it always shuts them up because I would never ask. And then I said, well, why are you asking me whether or not I talk to either a friend or maybe I talk to sources, people that I know to get information so that I can inform my audience and give behind the scenes news and information that others can't uh, and it's accurate. You know, I mean, it is so insulting, but they are holier than thou. And this is this is why this whole thing is blowing up in the media's face. They they have been doing this forever. I said earlier this week, you have been here, Linda, and all of this crew, and you have wondered sometimes and a little bit of amazement, and we've all talked about it at different times. You really did learn that lesson in the Richard Jewell case. It really changed you. I'm like, yeah, it changed me to my core, how I approach any situation. I don't care if it's Kevin or Bork, Clarence Thomas. I don't care... If it is it is war in peace, I don't rush to judgment on shootings or God when they, God forbid, happen. 
Uh, and then the high-profile cases, Trayvon and Zimmerman and Baltimore and Ferguson and Cambridge Police and UVA and Duke Lacrosse and vetting Obama uh, and vetting the deep state as everyone else goes in another direction. Biggest problem, though, is where do you go to get your good name back? That's what we come back to. Well, the presumption no. of innocence is completely gone. Let me tell you something. <laughs> me go get my good name back? Forget it. That ship has long sailed. You know, and thankfully, I I don't care. I honestly don't. I, whatever switch I'm supposed to have, and it's fascinating because I know it bothers many of you in this room, Kylie and Jason even, and, and Ethan and Sweet Baby the most, and Linda, you get pissed, and you're like, I'm remembering this forever, and you do. And I'm like, you know, two years later, you remind me, I'm like, what happened again? What did that person do? And you're like, oh. That's actually very true. You hate it. And so I am saying that, thank God I don't have the switch. James would come in for a long time, many years, and hand me, you know, what people are saying about Sean Pack. I'm like, get get rid of that. I throw it in the garbage. I'm not reading it. Don't you remember the hate Hannity line we used to do on the radio show? No, but that was for fun. Yeah, but what happened happened with it? People took it too far. Well, the problem is, is that here's truth and here's reality is we see it all the time. They want to silence us. They want to boycott us. They want to uh, they want to what they don't want an alternative voice. We are an obstacle to them. We are the smelly Walmart uh, shopper. And I, I I love Walmart. I love Target. You know, these stores, they have everything. Everything. And I remember when I lived in Huntsville, Alabama, I didn't really have any money, and I bought all my furniture and stuff there. I mean, I got everything, plates and, you know, silverware and all this. Uh, you know, I, my TV was sat on a box, literally a box from a store, an empty box. And I, I, what did I care? And but Tables are I, very overrated. <laughs> you know, I just, you know, I think. You know, everyone would say, well, okay, well, you live in a big house and blah, 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 blah. And we read this about what you may get paid. Nobody's ever gotten close. They're off by so much. It's we laugh. But, you know, but I do try. I won't wear a watch because I think for me, it's ostentatious. I know others love it. It's not for me. I don't want a sports car. And I like to wear jeans and T-shirts like and an NYPD hat like I have on now. Um, this is massive what's going on here. We are leading with this tonight on Hannity. Collusion. NBC, yes, and the DNC. Wow. And you thought it wasn't happening? All right, don't forget the great one, Mark Levin. Uh, Judge Janine back tonight on Hannity. All right, glad you're with us. Yeah, it's Friday. All right, we have an incredible Hannity tonight. Uh, yes, Judge Janine Pirro is back. She'll be on Hannity tonight, the great one, Mark Levin. Uh, and we, uh, we've we got so much going on as we continue now to hold these people accountable. we got some incredible stories we're going to be breaking tonight on that. And uh, where we need to go back to, how high up does this go in the Obama administration? We know it's in Loretta Lynch's office. What does the media now do with Hillary and all these new developments, thanks to our friend Congressman uh, Collins, who released these things um, and much more. Right. So that's tonight. Um, And I hope you'll join us for Judge Pirro and for um, the great one. And and we got a few things, surprises tonight for you. Uh, Nine Eastern on Hannity. The great Herschel Walker is with us and former NFL player, Minnesota Vikings, Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants. 
And yes, he actually worked for, pre- well, or worked for, he actually played for President Trump's team. Uh, for the, I guess, how many years did you play in the New Jersey Generals with that Donald Trump owned? Well, you know, he owned the team for almost two and a half years, so I was with him for two and a half years during the team time. Yeah. Now, you have just been appointed to this brand new position, and we're really so proud of you because um, this really matters. You now work with the president and his administration on the president's council on sports, fitness, nutrition. And, you know, you actually tested me out one day when you were in studio. We'll actually put the video. We still have it online. Because I said to you, yeah, I do, you know, at least 100 push-ups a day, at least 100 sit-ups a day. And then you're telling me, well, I do like 3,000 sit-ups a day. And or or well, how many push-ups and sit-ups do you do every day? Well, I'm doing about 3,500 sit-ups oh. a day, about 1,500 push-ups. But, you know, I, I would tell you this, Andy, that I was so, so impressed with you because, you know, I, I hope I can call you a friend now. You are a friend. You're a dear friend. I, I was a fan. Uh, you know, I used to watch you on television, and then I, I, I hope I can call you a friend. But when I walked into the studio and, and I saw you, I said, wait a minute, you're in shape. And uh, <laughs> when you start doing the push-ups, I was totally impressed. And because, uh, you know, fitness is what I'm all about. So I was, I was totally impressed. You impressed me. All right, I got to tell you something. So I recently lost about 13 pounds. Have you watched the TV show? I bet said nobody nobody volunteers have said, Hey, you look great. You lost weight. I have to ask. Well, no, you, you know what's so funny? I was gonna tell you that you look like you lost weight. But I now I didn't know it was thirteen pounds because you looked in great shape when I saw you the last time. But I tell you, uh I was gonna say your face is thinner. Your face is thinner. Oh well, my and my I, stomach's even thinner. I actually underneath all that fat I, I didn't realize I actually had a, a six pack developing. Which well, is... that's good. I tell people all the time, though, they can pile it on. I can help them to cut it up. They pile it on. I can help them to cut it up. I can do that. You know, one of the other things I love we share is uh, I got started, I don't know, six and a half. I can't remember the start date, but I'm training four, sometimes five days a week, uh, hour, hour and a half mixed martial arts. And, you know, I don't lift weights, but I do the push-ups and sit-ups and core building. And I do it every day, no matter what. And... And, and you were like, you know, but you make me want to do a lot more than I'm doing. I thought 100 push-ups a day was a lot for, you know, an old guy like me. But no, you know what? No, that's good. That's good. You're doing good. You know, and I'm not – I don't do it to try to impress anyone. I do it because you know, I still compete sometimes against right. anyone in the world. So that's the reason I do so many. Now, how long would it take you to do 3,500 push-ups? And, and how many push-ups and sit-ups? Uh, you know, to do 3,500 sit-ups, I can do that in uh, 25, 30 minutes. The push-ups takes a little longer. Uh, 1,500 push-ups is going to take me about 45 to 50 minutes to do those. I do sets of... And you do uh, consecutively. 50. Yeah, I, I do different sets, but it's, it's, they're all done uh, by 10 o'clock in the morning. So I try to get all that out of the way and stuff, and then I can start my day. And so uh, and, and it's a routine. I've gotten where if I don't do it, it's going to bother me. So I try to get it in, and, and I don't have to worry about it the rest of the day. You know, all right, I got it. I, it's inconceivable to me because I mean, I I do. Well, sometimes I do as much as 150 sit-ups. Right, we do them, you know, in groups of what 30 or more. But for example, I do these leg throws where I have a sensei. You know, my this guy Glenn. Yeah, throwing um, your legs down. Yeah, but I mean, throws them down violently, and if my feet touch the ground, he's pissed. 
He really yeah. is like, you know, I mean, he's seriously, and he's ripping it, and he's strong as hell, throwing them all over the place. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get yelled at, so I don't touch the ground. But I do 30 or 50 of those, and it, I'm feeling it. It's burning bad. How do you do now that that's many? Now, that's, now, that is very difficult. That is a, that is a little bit tougher uh, sit-up there than most people I ask most people to do. But that is a good sit-up for you. And, but then again, you're in shape now, and then you're yeah. also a martial artist. Being a yeah. martial artist, you'll be able to do that. So that is good for you. But that's, you know, you know, the core is your the core is the engine out of the body. You got to remember that that your stomach is that engine out of the body. That's where your, everything is got to be generated from is from that core. Now I also do V ups. They're they're painful. As, I mean, they're so hard. How, I mean, you can you do a hundred V ups and then immediately after a, a hundred hard leg throws, you can do that easily. No, yeah, I can. I can do that. And V-ups are good for you. Because V-ups going to work more than just the stomach. You know, it's going to work the arms as well. Arms, shoulders. So you can, uh, so that's happening. And then also, if you're grabbing your sensei's uh, legs as he's doing it, it's throwing down, you know, you're gripping and holding. So you're, you're, you're a lot of tense up in your upper body and stuff. But uh, as you stop your legs before they hit the ground, you know, you're putting tense on that core stomach. That really makes yeah. you tougher, and so and then I think it's a mental thing. And you know, it I is a mental thing. An article uh, I've told. I think a lot of kids should take a good martial arts class because it's more than just about fighting. It's about self discipline. I think that's what we need in this country today. Is a lot of self discipline and stuff. And I, I think it'll be great for a lot of people to start take, taking martial arts. Listen, so then maybe they start. Maybe I'm a good example. I mean, say that sport- again. Maybe I'm a good example. Sports was my life as a kid, and then I evolved into a passion for politics. I just even as a young kid, and um, but but you know, I got older, and then I went away from it. So I start, you know, when I'm 50, I'm like, oh, I'm tired of being fat and out of shape and feeling weak, and and I start. But I but if you do it, just do it every day. Then it it becomes a part of your life, and you not only some days you don't want to do it, but you do it anyway. And we see all these kids, you know, obesity issues with young kids. It's so sad. And it's the highest percentage ever. And then you read, I read the other day that if you do 40 push-ups a day, that's it. And, of course, I, I do more every day. It prolongs your life considerably. Just that. Well, well that's sort of true. I think studies have shown that a, a person that's in shape, a person that's fit, you know, it gives them longevity. At the same time, it gives them energy. And, you know, and I think sometimes we uh, lose sight that there's kids that, you know, uh, we'll say overweight. Let's not say fat. We'll say a little bit overweight. But, you know, I was overweight. But I think what I've uh, challenged a lot of kids to do, and I'm, thank you for having me on, is every day let's try to do at least 15 push-ups. And next week let's try to do at least 30. And I'm not saying doing them contextually, but do at least try to do something. And let's try to get out and walk. I think we've got to get away from uh, this social media world. I think this is, that's a great thing. But I think kids need to get back outside and start exercising. That's why I was so honored when the president gave me this position because I, I said, now maybe I can get something done. You know, uh, before, you know, I always heard about the uh, fitness council, but I'm not sure what all they were doing. But right now I'm trying to change a couple of things. Well, talk about what your what your plans are. Well, you know, one of the things I, I say is something that I think is real big is, you know, uh, coming up in April, we got a listening session where people can go to the to WebEx or to uh, and and listen in. But we're trying to hear other what other companies are doing that we can uh, that have the same uh, agenda that we have that we can sort of 
not really partner with, but get behind and push their agenda as well. And at the same time, for the first time ever, and this is shows that the president has really have changed a lot of things, is he's helped to uh, open up this foundation. You know, we have a foundation now that we're trying to create an endowment that this will help live forever, uh, that, that it'll help live forever for kids in the, in the future as well. And, and, and I think that's what we got to do. Uh, you know, when you're running, not running for office, but you're only in, in I'm going to only be at this position for a certain amount of time. And I told everyone that uh, on this president council here, it's not just Herschel Walker, but there's a lot of other people with Mr. May and uh, uh, Mario. Uh, you know, we want to leave a lasting legacy. And I think this uh, uh, foundation that also is helping the uh, council out in so many ways can help us leave a legacy behind for all these kids that we can show them guys what we want you to do is exercise has been proven that it, it's going to help you with health care. It's going to help you with so many different things. And we want to we just show them that we're behind them. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. You know, I, I only want to say this to, to parents. The great thing about sports that I love is it, is it duplicates life. You're going to have to learn to take your hits. You don't always win. You're going to have yeah. to learn to be a gracious winner when you do win. You're going to learn the harder you work at whatever your sport that you have a passion for or that you like, the harder you work, the better you're going to do, the better you're going to play. And you know what? And while you're doing it, don't forget the fun part of sports, the competition, um, because that that is what life's about, competing, bringing the best out of yourself. And you've done that your whole life, Herschel. That's what, I mean, we're friends, but I mean, I admired you from afar long before we became friends. Well, you know, you're exactly right, and I think sports just brings it out, and it te- teaches you how to get to get along. You know, it's, it's so funny because, you know, uh, you have athletes that compete all over the world against countries that really don't like you. They don't like the United States, but you have athletes that can go compete against each other, and they get along, they talk, they communicate. Well, that's what sports does. It helps you to communicate, and I, and I wish that uh, that's what we can get and watching right now is people communicating, people talking, people negotiating, and not just people putting each other down. You know, what's, what's funny, and I'm not getting away from this fitness thing, but sports help you to learn discipline, learn who's the boss, the coach. You got a, you got a coach who's the head guy, and he's the one you listen to. He's the one you follow. And I, and I think that's what we got to do here is we got to learn who's the head guy is. And that's one reason I think and with my group that I'm a part of is we're – here together we're here to work for the president of the united states he's given us an opportunity to change some things in the in the fitness world and and that's what we're trying to do with these with the young athletes you know today we found as you said as an obesity problem and we're trying to help solve that the way we can solve it is to help uh, uh incentivize kids to start exercise and the only way we can do that is to be living examples of that and giving them opportunities of different things that they can do well, Herschel, you are an inspiration. Congratulations on your appointment. I know you're going to be helping kids. Uh, even older people, you know, I want to say to all of you, you're never too old to start. Reagan, after he got shot, started lifting weights, and he was never stronger in his life and built muscles that he never thought he could build. And uh, you know what? You want to live for your kids, your grandkids. And as a kid, you want to be in the best shape you can. You'll feel great about yourself, build confidence. Um, and Herschel, you are you are a true, true role model for so many people, uh, me included. Love you. Thank you so much. Congratulations, sir. Hey, thank you, and thank you for having me on. Okay, my friend. 800-941-SEAN. 
Uh, Janine Pirro back tonight on Hannity. Mark Levin tonight on Hannity. And we have, I think, the best show we've ever put together, our ensemble. We will hold them all accountable. Nobody else will. This has been an incredible couple of weeks for America. (laughs) The economy is roaring. The ISIS caliphate is defeated 100%. And after three years of lies and smears and slander, the Russia hoax is finally dead. All of the Democrat politicians, the media bosses, bad people, the crooked journalists, the totally dishonest TV pundits, and by the way, they know it's not true. They just got great ratings. By the way, their ratings dropped through the floor last night. Did you see that? And our friends, Tucker, Sean, Laura, through the roof last night. And all of the current and former officials who paid for, promoted, and perpetuated the single greatest hoax in the history of politics in our country. They have to be, I'm sorry, they have to be accountable. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. We're loaded up with breaking news tonight. Janine Pirro is back. Uh, the great one, Mark Levin. We, I, and we were so loaded up tonight. You don't want to miss tonight's show. Uh, highlights of Rush if you missed it, and and some of the profound questions he asked, and the president's rally last night, which was his best ever. 9 Eastern Hannity, we'll see you tonight. Have a great weekend. See you back here on Monday. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.